Welcome to the One Last Sketch Podcast, a show dedicated to science fiction, fantasy, and history. It is episode 25, an extra short episode, hopefully, about a radio play, The Witches of Lublin by Ellen Kushner and a bunch of other people in the cast. Uh, <laughs> should I start that again? No, that's great. You gotta keep that. Okay. <laughs> I'm your host and supreme overlord, Michael. I'm Marie, just here. And I'm Corey, also just here, apparently. You can't take mine. Uh, fine, sub-supreme overlord. He's the vice So, in, th- since this is a podcast, we obviously have to talk about audio every once in a while. Which we haven't and... really done, ever. I don't know that that's a strict requirement of the medium, per se. Yeah. I I don't it, think it that comes your, up a lot. I don't it think your premises automatically lead to your conclusions, but we are talking about it now because our uh, other plan is uh, something that you need to read. So again, yeah. <laughs> so stay tuned for that teaser, people. <laughs> so I g- became aware of this because I'm a big fan of Ellen Kushner. She wrote a series of books that starts with Swords Points about a unnamed city where lots of sword stuff happens and i thought they're really cool and i keep on trying to get Corey and marie to read them and they don't pick them up but for some reason oh are you hinting <laughs> i honestly don't remember you ever uh, mentioning yeah. this before you're always talking about them yes i'm like oh these are books you really like you never said you should read them and then i would have said oh, okay i'll read them jeez michael stop being so circumspect so the her Ellen Kushner's main job is in radio. She hosts a show called Sound and Spirit, I think. I'm not going to double check. And at one point there was supposed to be this holiday radio play thing going on and she she got together with Elizabeth Schwartz and they made a radio play and they put a lot of klezmer music in it because Ellen Kushner's Jewish and I assume Elizabeth Schwartz is too. They got Neil Gaiman to do one of the voices, so that gave it quite a push. Mm-hmm. And since I don't have the information up, I don't even know what year this came out, but it does get played periodically during the Christmas slash Hanukkah season. Otherwise, you can just buy it from Audible, or you can buy a CD from Ellen Kushner's website, or the main website for this radio play we're talking about. Uh, copyright is 2010 on their webpage, so... yeah. Okay, 2010. Good to know. At the very least, that was the last time their webpage was updated. <laughs> when I listened to this, it was winter time, and I was shoveling a very, very long driveway. I thought it was going to be longer than it was, so I actually listened to the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> through that shoveling job. Wow. We were driving from Edmonton to Kingston, and definitely it was not long enough to cover that. <laughs> But uh, it did fill one afternoon of driving. Uh, Very pleasant afternoon. Yeah. What is the runtime again? It's like an hour. It's like an hour and a half. It's not very long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's quite um, short. (laughs) The version we listened to was a little over two hours, I believe, because it also had like some bonus history of the music. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great bit about Klezmer and history and stuff at the back, but the play itself is still just an hour and a half. Yeah. There's a CD1, CD2 thing going on. Yeah. Where there's a lot of klezmer music if you pick up the whole package deal. It's great. Seriously. Yeah, we're just going to say that right off the bat. This is one of my favorite authors. I really like radio plays. Mm-hmm. 
and you guys were listening to a bunch of old timey radio. The Shadow. We listened to a few, yeah. Yeah, radio plays are a lot of fun, and they don't get produced that often, at least in Canada anymore. There was a while where they would regularly run them, but I'm not yeah. aware of that being a CBC radio thing they do now. Yeah, um, a close second favorite. I think this one's probably my favorite right now. Would be the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy original radio play, because that was great. Yeah, uh, BBC Lord of the Rings is a pretty famous one, too. I'll look into that. Hmm. Uh, the original War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Oh, really yeah, good. that's really good, too. The musical! I think... I'm not sure if that was a radio broadcast. Yes. You're talking about Orson Welles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's the radio broadcast by Orson Welles, and then later on there was a musical radio play <laughs> thing that came out on cassette that's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but anyway, radio plays are so, awesome, but The Witches of Lublin is particularly great. Yeah, this radio play takes place in 1797 in the Polish town of Lublin, which had a significant Jewish population back before the whole World War II thing happened. Mm -hmm. uh, it is about a family there. They are troubadours. They play klezmer music. Mm -hmm. And mainly it centers around the conflict between Sophia and her grandmother Rivka over who marries who and there's also racism and stuff yep anti-semitism up the wazoo people get locked in a potato cellar at some point <laughs> um there's a certain amount of klezmer playing and then some... a certain amount a lot of klezmer. there's a lot of klezmer playing and it's really great klezmer it's really great like, it makes you want to this is worth listening to for the music alone and there just happens to be a great radio play story wrapped around it too yep in the log and short the um revka's not doing so well financially and continues to not do so well financially so they have been troubadour, but quite far away because there's a certain amount of it's not okay for women to be playing music. Uh, well, sorry, what, what's explained in kind of the disc too, if you will, um, some of the history at the time is Jew women in Jewish communities, or the way they described it is women in Jewish communities could play music, but it was considered improper for them to perform in public. So the only time they would perform would be behind closed doors to each other. They wouldn't go out to do so. Yeah, but they were trying to get some money because this is their only skill, I guess, other than lace making, I yeah, think, is so, what they do. So they were kind of going to a different town down the road to perform for the Christian market there. And um, they're kind of in debt to the uh, butcher and his wife. His wife's kind of a bitch. And... Then... She's your stereotypical town gossip character, really. Yeah, yeah. And then there's um, the nobleman. Is it what is he? A duke? A count? It's count. He's a count. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, anyway his, his name's Graf. Yeah. His son and Sophia fall in love. His son is played by Neil Gaiman. We should also point out they secretly fall in love before anybody else knows this. That's an important plot point. Well, the... the oh, uh, I'm going to stop here. This is new enough that we should issue a spoiler warning. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you've been warned. Uh, related. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It doesn't matter. It's still a great story. It's kind of obvious what's going to happen, but you listen anyway, because you're waiting for the magic. Because the magic happens. Because uh, Rivka is, in fact, the um, daughter... I believe, of a pretty great mystic of Jude Judaism. 
and it's pretty cool. And then they should do some pretty cool mystical stuff right at the end, and that's probably all we'll say right there because it's pretty yeah. cool. Again, because this is so short and big chunks of it are music, you don't really want to spoil the ending yeah. for people. <laughs> there's a whole load of coolness, and it's very satisfying. And then there's a whole bunch of Klezmere music after that, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, the acting is impeccable. Mm-hmm. Even Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman's unrecognizable. I totally recognized him. You recognized him. I was like, where was Neil Gaiman? And, oh. I, I was kind of in the same boat Michael was. It's like, I thought Neil Gaiman was in this. I totally knew that that he had to be that guy. I'm like, well, he's the dreamy sounding one. And that's totally the kind of spacey thing I'd expect Neil Gaiman to do. Sorry, Mr. Gaiman. I do love your work and all that. But it's what I would expect if, you were to, if I were to cast you in this play. <laughs> Something I think that's probably worth talking about is... Like we said, this is a radio play. Why did this story need to be told this way? Like w- w- music. Yeah, because you're listening. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I get that. I'm not denying that. I just I think that'd be a good con. Oh, it was a rhetorical question. No, no, it's it's <laughs> kind of. It's just certain things work best in certain mediums, and I think this certainly worked best as a radio play as opposed to you know a short film or a book or whatever. So I mean, mm-hmm. why? Like really? Yeah, because honestly, I have I would have no sense of what Klezmer is supposed to sound like. So in radio play. You can tell me what it sounds like. <laughs> it's well, also because a lot of this is focused around the power of voice and music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in order to get the full force of that feeling, it's best to hear it as opposed to having it described to you. So then why not see it? Why is it better as a radio yes, play? Why isn't this a show? Probably because... Uh, expensive to produce a TV movie. I don't <laughs> know if it would be better. It, it, well, here's the thing. It, there it, are other reasons for this, and I don't think it would be as good yeah, I was gonna as say, a Ignoring film. budgetary constraints, I do think it works better as a radio play. I, um, I, I do think this is a case where, like Marie said, because sound is such a big part of it, that if you add a visual element, I think you're almost cheapening the sound. Also, because the special effects in your imagination will always be way better at the end than anything anyone could produce anyway. I think we all agree that, you know, this works better as something you hear than as something you see. But, I mean, aside from just the music, what else contributes to that? Oh, hey, the accents are really good. They're not, like, um... Horribly offensive? (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) As far as I can tell, they seemed quite accurate to me. Well, nobody is really putting on a Polish accent through this entire play. I think there are Yiddish accents. Yeah, there's a lot of... To differentiate the population. That makes sense considering where it's produced. Yeah. It was produced in the UK, wasn't it? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure this is from the US because Ellen Kushner is from the US. Oh, okay. The radio station she's on is in the US. Yep. I legitimately thought it was a BBC thing. Well, that obviously speaks to its quality, then. Yes. (laughs) Not BBC Four. (laughs) God, are you kidding? I could get onto BBC Four right now. There's also comparing this to a show or a film, because it's about the length of a TV episode Mm -hmm. or a short movie. The cast is really small and focused. Mm-hmm. And that works in a radio play. Yeah, because too many not voices. Not only because you have to differentiate voices and you don't want to differentiate too many. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> inevitably, really if, you... if your cast gets too big, 
you're going to have too many voices. If you're going to be like, who the frig is that person? And then you're going to have to be like, people are going to have to call each other by name all the time, and it doesn't make any sense. It just gets a little awkward, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it lets you really focus in on the few characters that there are and get a really good sense of them and spend a lot of time with them mm-hmm. and their voices specifically. Especially Sophia's, because she's the one who sings. Mm-hmm. That's kind of Rick, the problem. Uh... <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> And you get more of Rivka being awesome. So, yeah, well, I mean, again, I think not giving too many spoilers, but a large part of the story is a clash between generations on both sides of it. Really, um, you've got Rivka clashing with her granddaughter, but you've also got the Duke clashing with his son. I thought he was a count or no, count, no, whatever, some noble idiot who runs things clashing with his son because. Oh, his son wants to marry a Jewish girl, and, you know, he's a Christian noble, so that's, you know, a big deal at this time and place. And you've got a Jewish girl who wants to marry a Christian noble, and that's a big deal to her family at this time and place. So, I mean, there's a generational clash, there's a cultural clash. It's better than Fiddler on the Roof, though. Never seen that or read it or anything. What? How could you not see Fiddler? rich man. <laughs> matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. See, the music's way better than that. Because yeah. <laughs> the thing is that I people to be behave very realistically, or as a, that sort of um, Fiddler on the Roof is like a musical. Is musicals always have a certain plot takes second secondary to the music, but here the music supports the plot. It is intertwined. I think that's actually a good point. Is you have very believable characters in this, like uh, Rivka's other two granddaughters. What are their daughters? Or daughters? Yep, da- daughters. They they are Sophia's aunts. Right, Rivka's daughters. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Sarela and well, I can't remember the other yeah, ones. I don't uh, Leah. Names. I don't remember their names either, but I mean, they have very human complaints. They have very human ambitions. Yeah. Like, I I don't mean that. Sorella's reason for allowing the uh, matching to to sort of happen is because she's after some fame. You can tell from the beginning that she's after fame, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mean human ambitions in the way like, oh, you know, they're really flawed and they're letting ambition corrupt them. It's just what they want out of life are just very normal human things. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I found every I found most of the characters in this to be very approachable, very easy to relate to. I don't know if anyone else can really answer this question here, but because they did, we're talking a lot about mysticism in this, but was the mysticism they're talking about, about specifically Kabbalah? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because I don't know enough about Judaism to know if there's other mysticism, I, mystic groups within, or I got that, that one. I got that sense, but again, I, I don't know enough about the culture of the religion to answer that. Yeah. Well, I was hoping that was going to lead to more conversation. Jeez, guys. <laughs> You're assuming that we have knowledge skill sets that we don't actually have. <sighs> Fine. Well, I guess an important thing, because since it, since it is, I guess we're guessing it's Kabbalah, an important point in that is that in the Kabbalistic stuff, I do know that you can create magic by changing sounds and words is one of the things that can be done or meditating or praying on this concept. Mm. So the fact that it's um, worked through song in this case makes sense. And I mean, it's also stated that, uh, that, that there are... Oh, there's a history of mystical songs that uh, make heaven come closer, I think, is sort of the way they describe it. Yeah, I know Rivka's asked to perform some magic at some point, and she 
refuses to, and she she acts all offended, and it's like, oh, what are you talking about? I wouldn't know how to do it. But I mean, it's very obvious she does know how to do it. Mm-hmm. She's just really watching her back because she knows the trouble she can get into if she does. I thought it was actually... I got a different interpretation because I thought it's possible that there might not actually be any magic. And it's sort of not until the end that that's kind of really purposefully stated. Hmm. Fully. One way or the other. Won't tell you which way. I don't know. I mean, short of spoiling it, I don't know what else we can add. Well, we can add that the official blurb for this is... A historical feminist Klesmer Shtetl magic realist musical radio drama. And I think that blurb encapsulates everything you'd want to hear in here. So, <laughs> so why do we spend 20 minutes talking? I don't know, because uh, you told us that, well, let's do a podcast on the fly! Well, yeah. <laughs> and we talked about this radio play. Yeah. I mean, the radio plays what else way- are we supposed to say? Are there any other radio plays that come up regularly during the Christmas season? Ugh. Not any that I remember. Nothing I would have listened to in recent enough memory to... I think this is far better than most of the films and other cultural content that show up at about the same time of year. The Alistair Sims that- Christmas story is pretty good. Yeah, okay, that. <laughs> but that's something. <laughs> One thing I will say, like, regarding this is something that's played around the holidays, um, that's one thing I very much like about it is, I mean, I, I was raised, you know, more of a Christian context, so celebrating Christmas, but I, I don't know much about Jewish holidays or Jewish culture, so it was very nice mm-hmm. to get that perspective on things. Yeah, it was really cool. Like, it, it's, a, it's a great story, it's very interesting, the history portion's actually just as good and just as worth listening to as the play, like, because it's just, again, it's such a different perspective that it's really neat to be exposed to. Weren't you confused about a historical point, Michael, that you checked out Oh, here? it was Poland in 1797 did not exist as a state. Lublin at the time was under control of the Austrian Empire, and there is no mention or allusion to this at all within the radio play. So it just sounds like it's taking place in Poland with a Polish count with Polish control and no foreign overlords at all, who might not have been nearly as accepting Mm -hmm. of Jews within the country as Mm -hmm. the state of Poland was at its height, which... Not great, but better than the rest of Europe at the time. Well, better than the rest of Europe in that they had pogroms, but they at least let them live there long enough to get to the pogroms. They didn't just kick them out. Like, I mean, European history, yeah. European history is not one of kindness to Jewish culture. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, I don't think there's any history that has one of kindness to Jewish culture. I think that's kind of a thing. Switch gears a bit. Like, you mentioned Poland probably not being, or wasn't, not probably not, Poland wasn't a state probably at this time. Probably didn't exist. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm mincing words here. Sorry. You mentioned how Poland wasn't a state at the time, but I don't know, maybe this was just me, but I very much got the impression listening to the radio play that this was an older story they'd adapted. Now, I don't know if that's actually the case or if it was written to seem like that. If it was just written to seem like that, they did a hell of a good job. At least from the descriptions on the website, it's based specifically on something that was described to take place in 1797. Hmm. Neat. So, it is historically situated, just not quite so much in the radio play itself. I think a thing about, about it that's interesting is that because the music is a big part of it. It's 
really sort of has a, there's this moment where that whole cultural tension is captured through music. Cause there's a bit where, um, our, uh, protagonists are playing for some Polish people and then they request a Polish song to be played or if they start, or the, the Klezmer musicians start playing a song, Klezmer style, and they go, I remember when this was a Polish song, and it's sort of like about how you can have these sort of cultural moments, but that are sort of like a evolution or a fight, but it's just with pieces of culture. Just kind of neat. Mm, it's kind of a cultural appropriation and people being offended by it. Yeah. Or people looking for excuses to be offended. Because I kind of mm-hmm. got the impression when that scene happened mm-hmm. that it wasn't, in fact, a stolen song, in quotes, but the mm-hmm. people were just looking for an excuse to complain. You no, know, they thought of it as stolen. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's kind of neat how things like songs matter. <laughs> <laughs> and with that deep thought... <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I'm not sure whether we have much else to say about this. I don't think we do. Admittedly short radio play. We gave an admittedly short podcast for it. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Again, it, I mean, I, what, what else are we going to do? Go buy it. Buy it now. Yeah, it's go, great. Go, go. <laughs> I, I will it. say, it's if, it's, Come on. <laughs> if it seems a little confusing and chaotic, that's just because this podcast had no structure to it. The story is really easy to follow, but it's ri- very much worth listening to. If you did so we were trying our damned hardest not to spoil people, which we don't, which we, we don't normally. Yeah, do, we're not yeah. used to doing that. Usually, we review things that are like a hundred years old, and we just to say it's your own fault if you don't know the story. <laughs> so, if you didn't enjoy listening to this podcast, make up for it for buying and listening to the Witches of Lublin. Good night. And if the people who produce the Witches of Lublin wanted to pay us for that advertising plug, we certainly wouldn't have checked. Yeah, public radio filled with money. <laughs> This has been the One Last Sketch Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can also go to my website, onelastsketch.wordpress.com, where I archive past episodes. You can also follow me on Twitter at at onelastsketch, where I don't really tweet at all. But, you know, if that's your thing. Thank you all for listening to this extra short, not very special episode of One Last Sketch. If you like the podcast... Recommend it to people. Leave a review on iTunes or something. And yeah, bye. <laughs> and stop. Which is why I'm about to make the most controversial statement ever on this podcast. Books are better than movies! Wow. Maybe edit Neither that out. Neither of us agree with that, Corey. Yeah, also we're talking about <laughs> radio plays right now. Maybe edit that stop. out. Stop. <laughs> No, I don't know if any of this is... We're not editing that out. That's just going at the blooper reel. Yep. (laughs) There we go.